0: Good morning, everybody. Would you stand with us, please, as we lead in singing worship to the Lord, our King, this morning? We want you to be excited about who you are in the Lord. There's nothing better, I'll tell you.
1: First, that's all I need a humble all I am All to you One way, Jesus You're the only one that I could live for One way, Jesus You're the only one that I could live for So deeply within me. And you will never ever change. Yesterday, today the same. Now till forever meets no end. One way. Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. You're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus. You're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus. You're the only one that I could live for. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We live by faith and not by sight. For you, we're living all for you. Are the way, the truth, and the life. We live by faith and not by sight. For you, we're living all for you. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way. One that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. You're the You're the only one that I could live
0: for Amen. God is good and I can hear you singing. He is majestic and he is the true God that we are here to honor and adore and worship this morning. Amen. You should be excited. about. We're here to celebrate who Jesus is. Feel like tapping your toe or just tapping your hand, it's okay. Because
1: God is all about excitement. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh Lord. the Lord. Yeah. I-
0: neighbor this morning. Just greet them. Make sure you get their name. We are really glad to have you here with us today.
1: Joy Shut down!
0: this morning you know as ken's coming up i was just thinking as we sang you can have a seat as as we were singing yes lord yes lord yes lord how often do we really say that do we just step out in faith and we say yes lord yes lord whatever you want from me yes yes
2: just something i was thinking about just thinking aren't you glad this morning that we're here to say yes lord let's give god the glory amen we're so thankful for god This morning, I want to uh, encourage you to say yes, Lord, as we begin to prepare for the Christmas season with this Christmas dinner theater coming up. You know, it's hard to believe. Just a few weeks from now, we're going to be having our Thanksgiving Eve night of worship. I'm excited about that. We're just going to take a whole night up here on Wednesday night. We're going to have communion. We're going to have a time of sharing. We're going to have a time of blessing to the Lord. And I want to encourage you to mark your calendar now to be here. That's going to be on 7 o'clock the night before Thanksgiving. Our church family is going to gather to honor God and give him worship. So we ask you to plan your calendar to be here. But I'd like to also, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, not long after that, we go right into our Christmas dinner theater, which begins on November the 30th. This year we're having our dinner theater. It's called Humbug at Christmas Indeed. And uh, it's set in the 1950s. So you get the, we finally get a 1950s theme at Christmas. I know Pastor's pretty happy about that, and uh, all his car friends. So uh, we, you know, so I think you'll you'll have a, a pleasant experience. But the purpose is for you to bring a friend. It's for us as a church. This is a group event that we do together, and we're all working together to bring our friends and family to Jesus. So the play is going to be great. We're they've been working up here for several months. Uh, Audie, Eddy is uh, the lead in the play. Audie, all right, raise your hand, Audie. Let's get a hand. We're excited about it, and uh, I'm going to ask Audie and this, the other guys to come down. They're going to hand out some papers. Um, uh, these guys are doing a fantastic job, but uh, I'd like to I'd like for everybody to take two of these papers that are coming your way, and uh, these are for us to have uh, the prayer engine. You know, we can have all the details and all the logistics, and it will be a great night. But God wants us to have something deeper than details and logistics. He is looking for something much more than a pleasant experience. He wants to work. And he can't work without our hearts humbling ourselves before God. So I'm asking you to take two of these papers this morning, and I'd like to ask you to put down the names on and you're going to make duplicate, one for you and one to put in the offering plate or in the offering box as you leave this morning. And uh, we're going to collect these up. If you would just begin to put the names of people that you'd like to invite to the Christmas dinner theater. Uh, it is November the 30th and December the 1st. That's a Friday and a Saturday. And then December the 7th and 8th, a Friday and a Saturday. So we're, we're having all these opportunities, and... They're going to come in, the play will be presented, the play shares the gospel, and uh, it's an opportunity for you to continue to talk to your friends about Jesus. So as t- this morning, I'd like to ask you to fill this out. You can put down first names, you can identify yourself, hey, this is Ken, and uh, this is, these are my friends, or you don't have to identify yourself. Just put them in there, put them in the offering plate, because really, God is mighty to save. Amen. And God is mighty to save your friends. I just keep thinking about the Scripture where God, where Jesus told his disciples, if you if you tell that mountain to move from here to there, it would. And he wasn't talking about that literal mountain. He was talking about the mountains in people's lives. And one of the greatest mountains in people's lives is not knowing God. And so if we just pray and we just say, okay, God, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to buy them a ticket. Tickets are available t- starting today. They'll be available every service uh, after every service for this next month. But as, as I start to pray, I say, God, would you move the mountain of this person's schedule? And we watch God open up their schedule that they can come. Uh, how about the person that you least think would come? That's the people who always come for me. You know, I have my list of ten, and I say, well, the top five, they're guaranteed coming. They're always busy. It's the guy that I didn't think I would even invite who ends up calling me for a ticket. You know, he says, hey, I heard your church is doing something. I'm like, oh, I feel humiliated. I feel embarrassed. But God wants to do this in your life. So as we sing this next song, Mighty to Save, I'm going to ask you to just take out your pen or your pencil, and if you would jot down a few names on there, and then when the offering plate comes your way, let's put it in the plate because God is truly mighty to save. If you'll take a step of faith, God will use you to plant the seeds of righteousness, to plant the seeds of the gospel into your the people that he's placed you among. So, Rhonda, if you'll come back, let's lead the church this morning, Mighty to Save. And as we sing this morning, Mighty to Save, we know that God is working and wants to work in your friend's life. Please jot those names down so that we can pray as a church.
0: Let's sing this as a prayer this morning. Many of you know this song. Let's sing over over those names this morning that we would just, like Ken said, God, you are mighty to save our friends that are on this list. Only he can do it. He has the power.
3: Has always been able to count on the faithful to stand up and protect its sacred rights and duties. This generation of Christians must do the same. This November, Christians across the nation will be put to the test. Many issues in America require hard work. But how do we know if we are building in vain? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Christians across the nation will have an opportunity to shape the future for our generation and generations to come. Many issues are at stake, but some issues are not negotiable. The right to life from conception to natural death. Marriage should be reinforced, not be defined. It is an egregious violation of our cherished principle of religious liberty for the government to force the church to buy the kind of insurance that leads to the taking of innocent human life. Your vote will affect the future and be recorded in eternity. Will you vote the values that will stand the test of fire? This is Mike Huckabee asking you to join me November the 6th and vote based on values that will stand the test of fire.
4: Amen. Thank you, Mr. Huckabee. <laughs> He's got that familiar voice, doesn't he? Please reach in the book rat this morning right there in front of you and pull out one of our little black friendship folders if you'd be so kind to do that. Put your name on there and give it to a person sitting next to you and we'll appreciate that today. Well, there are many, many things happening in the church at this time of the year. Tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning, we're going to open the church for prayer. I'll be here that early uh, to open the church. You come up throughout the day. Just pop in. We'll have the, the auditorium will be available here. You can sit down. You can come and kneel at the altar. We're praying for America in this election, that God will intervene in our country and place America in a place of blessing. So uh, there's a form right there in your Sunday Courier. Uh, you can chalk off any date or any time that you'd like to come and pray uh, 9 o'clock tomorrow, we're closing the church down. You can pray, of course, throughout the night, in the morning, in the early hours. Tuesday, uh, election day. I'll be here at 8 o'clock in the morning, open the church. We're going to pray all the way through to the victory. At, well, 11 p.m., let's put it that way. If the victory comes later than that, we'll be having fun at home, okay? So uh, you, you choose a time... Put the check mark there, and uh, leave this form behind when you, when you leave the service today, and uh, we'll appreciate that. Inside your courier is um, our first announcement, actually actually, it's the second announcement, of our birthday gift to of Jesus offering. Uh, this is our highest goal that we've ever had. It's going to take our greatest effort, our greatest prayer. We're, we're, we want to do this Christmas something really big for our missionaries, and this is big. Uh, you go down through this list and some of the projects are local and some of them are a long, way, a long distance away. But if you pray about your part, what God will have you do this Christmas to make this goal a reality, God will bless you greatly. And put Jesus at the top of your Christmas list. Uh, just make him number one and uh, we'll reach the goal. Start praying the list. Take this list home. Put it in your most favorite place on the front of your refrigerator and uh, every time you go there, you'll see this hanging there. Pray down this list every day that God will provide the need for these missionaries, okay? Uh, Ken mentioned our Thanksgiving Eve service. It's always a great time. Uh, You know, churches like ours are scattered all over the place. We have our Saturday night service. We have our first service on Sunday and now the second service. This gives us a chance to get everybody back together, bring the kids and just have a Just have like a unity meeting on that Thanksgiving evening. So circle that on your calendar. Let's stand together, please, as our ushers come. We'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We thank you for being so faithful to the church giving each week. We appreciate it a lot. It helps move the ministry forward. Dear Lord, we thank you most of all because you provide the jobs and means of income a way that we can support our family. And now we've come together as a church to support the church. We pray that as we receive the gifts of your people today, that they will truly reflect our love for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
1: Born this storm, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest trials. explore one high. Your on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith, the gift of love and righteousness.
4: Bibles today, please, to the book of Genesis, book of Genesis chapter 33 for this morning. I'd like to talk to you today about Jacob meeting Esau. Genesis chapter 33, verse 1, now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked and there Esau was coming And with him were 400 men. This is one of the climactic events here, of course, in the life of of Jacob. Uh, I'm sure that he probably wanted to meet his brother one-on-one and was somewhat surprised when he found out that his brother had an entourage, 400 men. And so uh, this old thing of fear popped up in his mind. 400 men, so he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. He kind of organized uh, this uh, reception on his part uh, and put the ones that he loved the most at the back of the group. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Now this is the kind of uh, ending of the story that you, you always like to end the story on, verse number four. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Uh, this, is, uh, this is more than he expected. But you know, there is this verse, there is this principle that God loves to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And so that's exactly what happens right here. Esau, his brother, ran to meet him, and he embraced him and fell on his neck, and he kissed him, and they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and the children, and he said, Who are these with you? Where would you get all these people? So he said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. God's been giving me all these kids. Then the maidservants came near and their children and bowed down, and Leah also came near and her children, and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. And Esau said, "Uh, what do you mean by all this company which I met? And he said, these are to find favor in the sight of the Lord. If you remember the story, Jacob sent a lot of gifts out in advance to attempt to appease the anger of his brother lest his brother hurt him. And so Esau was kind of confused by all these overtures of gifts that Jacob said and he said, what's this all about? And uh, he said, well I I did that because sometimes at present it like soften someone's heart up, right? He said, I did that uh, so that I might find favor in your, in your sight. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. How many times has somebody wanted to give you something and you declined? And uh, you almost got in an argument because they wanted to give it to you so bad and you didn't want it. And uh, I remember one time somebody was trying to give me something and they kept pushing and pushing. And I kept resisting and resisting. And finally I won. But I really thought I lost And now I tell people, listen, don't decline when somebody wants to give you something because it's more blessed to give than receive. And so what we do is we rob the giver of the blessing. And that's what I I did, and I think it really hurt the person that was trying to be a blessing to me. Um, and And so first of all, Esau declines. He says, I have enough. And we always tell people that when somebody wants to give us something, oh, give this to somebody that needs it more than I need it. That's what Esau was saying right here. And Jacob said, no, please. If I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God. What he's saying right here is this is one of the happiest days of my life. My reunification With you, my estranged brother, your face is like the face of God to me. I've seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. Take my take now my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. Esau says, I have enough. Jacob says, I have enough. They're going back and forth. So he urged him and he took it. Well, I'd like to continue the story today of uh, Jacob meeting Esau. When you read the Bible, you find out they're twins. You know, twins are special, they really are. Uh, Esau's on the left over here, Jacob's on the right. And he came and he got he was there. He got they got him for free whenever he arrived. Uh but these kids uh they had parents that each parent favored the other Uh, the father favored uh, Esau the mother favored Jacob and do you know how the story goes mother and Jacob conspired against his dad Isaac to steal Esau's birthright the birthright was a double portion of the inheritance now this is something worth having these people had some money it was a double portion of the inheritance, and it was a time to be the leader of the family. And you remember how that all worked out. Uh, Isaac thought he was dying. He was, he was blind. And he thought it was time that he issued the, um, the blessing. Uh, and uh, Jacob had already taken his birthright. Um, remember, he, when he came back, he sold it for just uh, some stew. And now he proposed, he and his mother proposed that they would take the birthright as well. And so Esau went out in the woods to go hunting, to find something good for his dad before his dad pronounced the, the blessing upon him. And his mother and Jacob conspired and said, now you go and put these clothes on of Esau's and I'll make the stew that he needs and you go in and you tell your dad that you're Esau and you'll get the blessing. And so that's exactly what he did. His dad couldn't uh, see, but he could still smell, and he could taste, and he could hear. And so it smelled like Esau, and the, and the porridge tasted like it's what Esau makes. But uh, the voice was given Jacob away. And he finally said, are you, really, are you really Esau? And he said, I am. And so he blessed him about that time he left and Esau came back and he was infuriated because he was the firstborn and it was to him the blessing was to flow and he was so mad that he said that he was gonna kill his brother he's gonna take his brother's life and so his mother Rebecca went back into her scheming ways I guess he learned it from her and said listen why don't you go to my brother's house Laban and stay there a while because your brother will cool down and just stay for a few days and then you can come back. And so Jacob uh, took off. And that begins several of the defining moments of his life. You know, there are defining moments in our life that, that change us. Some of you in this auditorium this morning can look back to a certain place in your life and say, boy, my life turned around right there or something big happened there, a defining moment. Well, when Jacob was running away from his brother, he had in his hand uh, the, the blessing, the birthright. He got what he wanted, but lost what he needed. And oftentimes in life we do that. We get what we want because we're good at work in the angles. But he lost what he needed, and what did he need? He really needed his brother's love and his mother's presence. She was the love of his life. And now these few days that he was going to go away and escape from his brother's anger turned into 20 years. 20 years. He had what he wanted, but he lost what he needed. Well, Jacob had a defining moment. In Genesis chapter 28, remember that was the story. He was on his way to Laban's house and he laid himself and he went to sleep and he used a rock for his pillow. Now, I don't suggest you do that. Maybe he just kind of propped himself up against it. He used a rock for a pillow and he had this dream. And in this dream, there was this uh, ladder that angels were ascending and descending on. And at the top of the ladder, there was God and God was speaking to him. And he said, listen, listen, Jacob, uh, I am with you. And I'm going to keep you and I'm going to bring you back here one of these days that was so comforting to him because that night he was afraid and he was running away and he didn't know he didn't know what the the future held and God came to him and said listen Jacob it's all right now this is so penetrating to me because here's Jacob at his worst and here's God at his best as usual as usual Jacob is at his worst God is at his best he said listen Jacob uh, I'm, I'm going to keep you, I'm going to bring you back. That had an impact on his life and really carried him for a long time. And then remember another defining moment was the wrestling match in chapter 32 that he had with the Lord. And that passage has always intrigued me. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. It says, Then Jacob was left alone. And I tell people this continually. You know, when you have to really do business with God alone. You come to church and there's a lot of people around you and all sorts of things going on. You just really can't concentrate too well. Boy, when you're alone, you can really think about the real issues of your life. So he was left alone. He's coming back home now after 20 years. God told him to come home. And the Bible says here, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And you know, this passage has intrigued me because it's in this passage that Jacob gets a blessing from God. Um, boy, there's not a person in this auditorium that hasn't begged God so many times in their life for a blessing. How many people have done that many times? Would you raise your hand? Okay. I'll put both hands up. Yeah. We've asked the Lord so many times, oh, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. He says, I know know what you're going to say. Bless me. Well, uh, that's what happened right here. God blessed him. But I often thought that this whole story was about him praying and him needing a blessing for himself. And he was wrestling with God. But the Bible says here this man, who is defined later as God, he said, I've seen the Lord face to face, was God. God wrestled with him. That changes the meaning for me. What was God trying to do? He was trying to wrestle Jacob into submission, to subdue him. To bring Jacob to the place of nothingness. To show him how weak he was. To chasten his pride. To challenge his tenacity. He was purging him of his self-sufficiency. Because Jacob could always work the angles. He was good at it. He could work a deal. He could make something happen. Whether it was legit or not. And so God says, listen, you got to change. I have to change you. And so what he's doing is he is breaking Jacob down. And so this, and I don't know how that all took place. Maybe it was an argument. You know, we do argue with God. Maybe it was an argument all night long, going back and forth. Jacob is arguing with God. God is arguing with Jacob. And uh, the morning is coming. And all of a sudden, time is up. And so what God does is he takes Jacob and puts his hip out of joint. Now, you can't wrestle when your hip's out of joint for all those ex-wrestlers in the church. It's hard enough to do it when everything's working right. And so he really slew him. And so there is Jacob. He is, he is just reduced to not being able to do anything. And it's that, at that point that he says, Oh, Lord, bless me. I really need your blessing now because I can't do anything without you. Genesis thirty-two twenty-six, He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Well, you know, this seems similar to me than what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 5. Let's read this together this morning. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's the position that God wants to bring us to. Where we are totally reliant upon the Lord. That's a hard place for many people to come to. I find that it's interesting that in these two life-changing events that Jacob has, first of all, the ladder and then the wrestling match, there is a common denominator. And the common denominator is fear. He was running away. Uh, from his brother's anger. Now he's coming back and he's still afraid of his brother. You know, fear is a God-given emotion. It really is. It prompts us to do some pretty good things. It causes us to run away from danger. It causes you and me not to drive through a certain area of town at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's good sense. It's good to be fearful of that. Uh, Well, it also enables us to make some life-changing decisions when we're afraid. And I think today, if, you would, uh, if we could share in an intimate way, you would probably tell me, you know, it was at this fearful time in my life that I really made a commitment to God, and my life really changed. Well, the Bible says here that Jacob prevailed in this situation. God wrestled him down, took away his self-sufficiency from him, And then he reached out and he said, Lord, I need you so much. 2 Corinthians 12.9 is a parallel passage. Let's read this this morning. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ is, may rest upon me. I like that last line because that's what God wants for you and me. He wants his power to be on your life and my life. You know, oftentimes in the church we look around and we say, boy, it's great if God's power would be on their life because I don't think God wants that for me. I think God wants that for all of us. All of us have our little world that we live in, and it's big to God. And God wants the power of Christ to remain on you. But look what it says. In our infirmities, when we become weak, that's when we become strong. And so what God was trying to do to Jacob here is to make him strong. He thought he was strong, he was cool, he was a manipulator, he was a trickster. God says, that's not going to work anymore. You have to change. And so then we come to this dreaded moment in Genesis chapter 33. This moment that he had worried about for 20 years. What if I ever meet up with my brother who hates me? He's threatened to kill me. What will happen? After this great spiritual experience at Pineo, you would think that uh, Jacob would be a flawless follower of God. You know, if you saw God face to face, wouldn't you expect then to be a flawless follower of God? I think I would. It's like... Oh, yeah, last night I talked to God. I saw him face to face. You would think that that would really change a person. But there is this this thing that we all wrestle with, and that's our human nature. It's a strange thing. No matter how converted we are, we still have this great enemy inside of us. Let me give you a few illustrations of this in the Bible. Abraham, remember, went on this tremendous journey to be the founder of the nation of Israel by faith he didn't know where he was going. He just headed out and God led him. But when he got there, he was tempted to go into Egypt and he broke under the temptation and went down there. He went that long journey, but then he failed. There was Elijah. Man, I, we've just been reading about the Elijah in the Bible. He displayed great courage whenever he took on the prophets of Baal uh, at Mount Carmel and he beat them. But then later he ran away from Jezebel, he wasn't afraid of all those prophets, but he sure was afraid of her. There was David. Uh, David met Goliath. Remember, I love that story. But later he ran away from Saul. And then there was the inner circle of Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And in Matthew chapter 17, they went up into the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter made this tremendous statement. He said, it's good for us to be here. Now, that's an understatement, isn't it? He said, It's good for us to be here. And so they went down. After they had that glorious experience with Christ on that mountain, they went down. And uh, the next day, when a father brought a son to him, they could not heal him. And Jesus said to them, It's because of your unbelief. And so here they had this mountaintop experience. And uh, they came down and they were, boy, I'll tell you, they reverted back to their old ways. it was, uh, And here we find a similar situation. Jacob. Jacob here starts to organize again right before he meets Esau. Uh, he was at this great retreat where he saw God face to face. And now he is falling back in his old ways. He puts Rachel and Joseph last just in case some fireworks break out. And so he thought, I'm going to organize my way out of this. And, you know, it, we grow weary trying to organize our way out of things, don't we? <laughs> you know, I'll figure this one out. <laughs> Maybe I can get a new plan. Do you have another plan I can use? So he's trying to organize his way out of this. And here we are today. So, okay, we have Abraham, we have David, we have all these biblical characters. What about us? You know, we've had our share of mountaintop experiences as a Christian, haven't we? In fact, one of our local Bible conferences... Every year, it's called Mountaintop right over here in West Virginia. I've had so many of them in my life. I, I'd go to those things, and I'd feel so close to God, and I'd come home, and I'd say, oh, man, things are going to be different now. How many people have been there? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, yeah you go you, on a mission trip, too. You, you come home, and you say, man, I'm radically changed now. You know, Things will never be the same. Well, we've all made so many meaningful resolutions uh, we've had our retreats, and sometimes even in church, uh, when we're moved emotionally and intellectually to make a defining decision, and we walk out of church and we say, "Okay, I got it now. I got it." We've had an experience with Christ. Well, you know when Jacob had this experience, in, in God changed his name. God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Jacob means deceiver, and Israel means God's fighter. How about that? Boy, that sounds so familiar. That's like conversion, isn't it? From where we used to be to where God wants us to be. A deceiver, a manipulator, to God's fighter. Well, uh, Jacob wasn't living up to his new name. And sometimes we don't do that either. I just want to share a couple new names that God's given to you and me that we need to live up to. The first is saint. I know you read this many times in the Bible. I went to Wikipedia, and you can find almost anything there, and some of the stuff's pretty good. And I wanted to find out, hey, what's their definition of the word saint? This is what they said. Within some Protestant traditions, the word is used to describe a born-again Christian. Well, that's us. Um, They went on further to say, A saint is one who has been recognized for having an exceptional degree of holiness. That's us. You know, the Greek word saint in the Bible is hagios. It's translated 161 times holy, 61 times saint. So whenever you read about the saints in the Bible, uh, you could just read holy ones in the Bible. But this holiness of a born-again Christian is imputed holiness. It's not ours Uh, It's not anything that we've generated. It's something that God has given to you and me. Not by any works which we have done, but according to his mercy, he gives us this holiness. Not good works that we've chalked up before God. It's imputed to us by faith in Jesus Christ. You see, what we do is we give him our sins. He gives us his holiness. We become holy ones. How is that? He sends his Holy Spirit to live in our heart. You can't get any holier than that. He sends his Holy Spirit to live in our heart and then he says, listen, you're a saint. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I like that. Let's read this together. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him that we might receive the righteousness of God. So we give Christ our sins. He gives us His righteousness, or holiness. And we become that person described in the Bible as a saint. You know, in the Bible, saints were people who are alive. Uh, it sounds strange to our years here in the north to say, listen, you're a saint and I'm a saint. But, you know, if you go to certain areas of our country, they It's not strange. They use those words uh, to describe who they are. That's their identity. They're holy ones. They have been made holy, not by what they have done, but by what Christ has done for them. You know, here in our church, oftentimes we say, and all the Lord's people said, amen. Amen. Well, in their churches, they say, all the Lord's saints said, Amen." amen. Same thing. The Lord's people We're saints. Now, Jacob didn't live up to his new name as well as he should. There's another name. How about the word son? Well, Galatians 4, 4 through 6 says, But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. We are God's kids. We are God's sons and his daughters. We are in the family of God. You know, we carry pictures around to show people about our kids, don't we? Hey, let me tell you the story of this kid. How do you like this kid? You know, I think God has uh, pictures of us too. And I think he's a whole lot more pleased with you than than you think he is. Uh, Because your sins have been washed away in the blood of Christ, that's why. And he looks at you as a holy one. And we're in the family of God. Sometimes we start kicking ourselves and we say, hey, I'm not a very good Christian. I'm not doing very well. And and what do we tell our kids when when they tell us that? Hey, come on. You got everything in the world going for you. We love you. Mother and dad loves you. And God says, hey, come on. You have everything in the world going for you. I love you. You're my family. You're my son or you're my daughter another word that we like to use of ourselves is the word heir Galatians 4 7 therefore you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir Romans 8 17 says but if children then heir heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ now we know that Christ is the heir of all things and so therefore you and I are joint heirs with him and so that means that we have a real inheritance in the days ahead not now in the days ahead. Uh, Well, we have a hard time learning these lessons, don't we? Uh, We have to keep learning these lessons all the time. And the most important thing is not necessarily the mountaintop experience, but its follow-up after that experience. It's coming home and and saying, listen, I'm going to have a mountaintop in my home if it kills me. I'm going to meet with God I'm not going to sink in the midst of all the circumstances and the problems of my life and this country. Well, we have to practice living in light of our new names. George Mueller, whose name is synonymous with prayer and faith, was one time asked, what is the most important part of prayer? And this is what he said, the 15 minutes after I have said amen. And what he meant by that is follow-up. What do I do after that? And so here we come back from the retreat, and I'll tell you we're going to tackle the world. What about follow-up? That's what Jacob wasn't very good at. What happened really here in the story for this morning in Genesis 33 is Jacob yielded to, to fear again. He resorts, resorts back to his old ways. But in spite of it all, this is the grace of God, but in spite of it all there is a victorious reunion between him and his brother God did answer Jacob's prayer Uh, Proverbs 21.1 and we're using this now for the election okay do we have it? let's read it the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water he turns it wherever he wishes now Esau's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he wishes. Esau runs to his brother, embraces him, and uh, becomes uh, a blessing. What a relief this is. Jacob has feared the reuniting of him and Esau for 20 years, and he says, your face is like the face of God to me. How great it is, To have unity in the family. There's nothing as good as that. Something about being at peace with your brother. Now, these people hereafter went their separate ways. They lived in different places. But that that animosity and that fear was broken down because God answered their prayer. He softened the heart of Esau. What a blessing. The breach was, uh, was repaired. And then, the end of the story. In Genesis 35, the Lord says, listen, I want you now to go back to Bethel. That's where I first met you. I want you to go back there, and I want you to set up an altar. And, uh, and Jacob said, okay, I'll do that. And he went through his house, and he said, now listen, we have to get rid of these idols. Now remember, this is about maybe 25, almost 30 years later. He's still trying to get the idols out of his house. Now, remember, he's had all these experiences with God. You would think that, I mean, his house would be like swept clean. No, there is this ongoing thing of cleansing that has to take place in the life of a believer, amen? Because idols always have their way of creeping back in our life. You know, we think, boy, I got rid of that dirty thing. I got rid of that filthy thing. But we just kind of replace it sometimes with something that isn't so dirty and isn't so despicable, but it's still an idol. It's between us and God. And so he goes back to Bethel and, and uh, he, he says, listen, I'm going to clean house again. And, you know, we have to do that oftentimes as Christians, don't we? Clean house again, let's say it. Clean house again. It's a good thing. Here, Jacob had these tremendous experiences with God. He had to clean house again. You're going to go home after this message this morning and throw all kind of stuff away, aren't you? Sure. Well, uh, the good thing is this. Uh, these giant experiences come and go. And uh, Jacob didn't become a perfect person. And this is my message to you today. God's not looking to make you a perfect person. If you ever become a perfect person, you won't be around here any longer. He's not making you a perfect person. He's trying to make you a better person. That's all. I saw this bumper sticker one time that said, I'm forgiven. That kind of says it all to me. I'm forgiven. We are sinners saved by what? By grace, right? Well, God wanted Jacob to live in the light of his new name, God Fighter. He wants us to live in the light of our new name, Saint, Holy One, Son, Heirs. Boy, lift yourself up, live in light of those names. Uh, Jacob was a link in the chain of what God was doing in his world and you and I are a link in the chain of what God is doing in our world. You know, we are looking at Jacob and we're saying, oh, I hope the the link doesn't break. And God is looking at us today and says, listen, I, I hope your link doesn't break either. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for faithfulness. And a faithful person learns from their mistakes and and goes on. A faithful person says, listen, hey, listen, I'm so far from being perfect, I can't even see it. <laughs> I know it's over there in heaven somewhere, but it's not here. I'm just putting one forward, one foot in front of me, and I'm going forward. And my goal is to be faithful to the Lord. And uh, you and I are links in the chain of what God's doing in our world. You are the Jacobs of this world and so dust yourself off, lift yourself up and say God if, you've, if I've let you down I'm sorry about that but we'll go on and I'll become better as a result and the saints of God said Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today I wonder how many of us in, our, in this room today has, have been defeated by feeling so less than perfect. Well, I, I hope when you walk out into the parking lot today that you will feel you don't have to be that like that. You just have to be humble. And uh, put aside your self-sufficiency and rely upon the Lord. Learn from your mistakes. Be willing to say, I've failed. Be willing to say, I'm sorry to God. We'll go on. I'll be a better person. I want to be the the link in the chain in my world like Jacob was the link in the chain of God for his world. You are God's person for this time where you live, where you work. Let's dedicate ourselves to that proposition this morning. Dear Lord, now as we come to Sing the invitation song. I pray that you'll move among us, Lord. Draw us to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song. And if you'd like to come and pray here at the altar, you feel free to do that. If you want to come and pray for a friend, feel free to do that as we sing. tomorrow morning the church will be open let's make a statement okay if you're in the area drop up here any time of the day just come in sit in the auditorium uh, we'll have some heat in here i guess and let's pray for america we have the prayer list here uh, i was just thinking wouldn't it be great if the history when the history books are written that it would set